I remember hiking up Rose Memorial with a friend of mine. We liked doing those hikes. It was um, 2018, 18, actually. We were going through the most, um, it was just a tough year. Um, I even started self-hurting that year. So we, we did this, we would have this ritual of walking to every morning. And I saw this, this thing that was growing literally on, on gravel, this flower that had popped on gravel. It, looked, it was the most gorgeous thing. So it's this thing of oxalayo, oxalayo, nobani ngazama nitini usnyisa. One thing we'll do is to thrive, is to survive. From the Institute for Creative Arts at the University of Cape Town, this is the ICA podcast where we interview South African artists and curators who perform or curate live interdisciplinary works. I'm Nkhobileng Muloi, host of the season three of the ICA podcast, and you are listening to episode one, featuring performance artist, activist, and educator Tandile Mbacha and their 2022 performance, I Am. It, I'm, I'm, I'm going through, I've been going through a lot of, I'm trying to do this thing to myself of um, accepting myself for every part of myself, all my complex being, beings, every way I've been raised and can't erase it. There's nothing I can do to, like, it's in my body. I am is a statement against transphobia and homophobia. A counterstatement to the trope of queerness as being an African and a reclamation of the self through childhood memories. The work was developed as part of Mbacha's MA dissertation at the University of Cape Town and premiered at the 2022 ICA Live Art Festival. I Am is a kind of triptych. The first part is an installation and choreographed performance, followed by an intimate conversation involving the artist's parents. And lastly, a film visually tying together the thematic underpinnings of the work. The work is about survival, resistance, refusal, and a recovery of queer histories through memory and movement. In today's episode, we step into Tandile Mbacha's world through dance, music, and a collage of personal stories that help us better understand their work. My mother named me um, Tandile without an H. Um, my father named me Melubako. Um, I learned of this, I think, when I was about 16. Um, and I thought it was such a meaningful name, like Melubako, you are me. And also, I, I also thought the names together, like, are quite similar, like, in meaning. But Tandile, my parents, like, as a, a, a as believers, um, they are that God wanted me to, or loved for me to be here. They loved, my parents loved for me to be born, right? Um, Melubako means meant to be here you you are such a grounding thing actually just when i'm saying that um this thing of you're meant to be where you are like this moment is 
Tell me about some of your earliest childhood memories that you kind of link to your practice today. Have you always been, you know, a kid that's like really into like performing and singing and dancing? And <laughs> what did you do as a child? I would come back home after any event we went to, be it church, be it umtimbi, be it um, a funeral, be it anything, any kind of any event, a, a wedding, and I would repeat everything that was done there. My mom would always tell the story of her friends would say, um, so clearly, so very well articulate, very like, you know, like, I perform like, yeah, I never, I'm never timid, um, never timid, very, very confident um, growing up. But a time did come, maybe we'll get to this. And this is why the work is trying to go back or to remember. Um, I am, does this thing of trying to remember what that confident, fearless child I was. Because then before there was a time where I was not aware that I, 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 I'm, I'm gay, right? Um, of course I'm a child, right? But then I started being told that I'm gay. Um, or I'm different, I speak like a girl, I play with girls, I do, 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 do. and then then I think I started like, you know, the, the and because of how it was spoken about, it was a shameful thing, something that I, I didn't want to be a member of, right? And I think that's when, that's when this, uh, I started then going back, like into a, like a shell. So let's get into I am, right? So... You thinking of it as kind of a reclamation of childhood memories, like that's mm. something that comes across very, very strongly. Mm. But maybe before we get there, can you tell us about the title, um, how you kind of conceptualized? Also because it's so loaded, right? Yeah. Like biblically, I yeah. am in mm. something. Mm. Um, yeah, just take mm. us through that. Yeah, it, it, it all, it, it is first for me, um, it is, I I am is is first for me, um, for me to, to to the self, for me to say I I am, and then also growing up as a Christian child, like in in a Christian home, that is that's all he said. Dingundi koyo, and I am I am. Nothing else is before or after. I am. So, and then also to 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 the world. It is a taking back of every slur, word, every um, shame, every, all these things. The reason I started going back into, like, going into a shell, it, it is a way of me to say to the world, then what? Nothing comes before, nothing comes after the fact that I am everything and nothing at the same time. I mean, Lesan talks about the right to opacity and also like sometimes not even being fully visible to yourself. Well, visible is not the right word, but fully understandable to yourself, mm. which then gets me to this idea of self-fashioning. Mm. So for you, how do you make the self? Like how do you move around the world <laughs> as this I am? 
<laughs> it is a daily, it's, da- it's labor. Um, and sometimes it's labor that I don't want to do. Sometimes it's labor that I love to do. Um, it is a, hmm, it's, it's, it's a very, it's conscious work. I have to be conscious about how I am every day. Um, and, 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 and it really is dependent on where I am and where I'm going also. I have to constantly choose myself. But also it's this like balancing act of choosing self. Like how much do I do that labor of love to myself, of, of, of expressing myself, of fashioning myself literally every day without putting myself in danger? And the, the, it's the dumbest thing. Like it's the dumbest thing I do. It's diabolical actually because... I'm clocked anyway. People clock me anyway. Doesn't matter how much I try to wear pants or whatnot. But now I need to be not too much. I need to be palatable in order to survive. Even though they can tell. Because one thing I will get, my, my, doing my nails is a labor of love for me every month. I don't care how much money I have, I will get my nails done. But they, and I, I don't compromise on earrings as well. It's, a, it's again, this thing of, I know they'll kill me anyway, whenever they feel like it. But then it's still a thing of how am I going to make sure I'm safe? I don't even know if I'm, I really don't know. If, 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 if this balancing act is even real, because they will do it anyway, because they've clocked me. They clock me every time. Akit. Yeah. I mean, you know, all of these things that you talk about, I go, kind of watching the performance, that's, that's kind of what you get, like the honesty of where the work is coming from you know, that you expressing something like really deep within you. So maybe let's start with um, the first part of the performance. That, so, so, um, the first part, okay, let me just paint it. The first part of the performance um, in the uh, foyer of uh, the little theater. Um, when you come in, you see me um, submerged, uh, yeah? Submerged um, underneath these rugged, um, huge rocks. And then I start removing them. Some of them are heavy. Some of them are really abrasive to my skin. Like I was left with bruises for a couple of days on my thighs specifically. That's that's what you see, right? That's what you saw. 
How I thought about that is from this phrase that um, I employed, uh, or this proverb rather that I employed, is closer that says, and it was literally like a mantra for me for a while. So I then I, I came into this masters with that mantra and this proverb. I'm, I was obsessed with it. I would Google like how how plants and flowers grow through like concrete, and you know the the, the seed goes takes a lot of roots before it starts emerging from the top. Like you see it almost like a maze kind of thing. It's not a linear trajectory for 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 the seed to just go vertically up and boom, Bob's your uncle, it's out the thing. So I thought of my of my life and queer people's lives as a whole. And like I and I I likened I, I use that that metaphor, that proverb, that image of that seed growing on a rugged, arid sometimes, but specifically concrete. And I, I kept on thinking about that. And I'm like, well, isn't this what we're doing? As queer people and femme people, women in this country, isn't this what we're doing every day when we dare to live because we are alive? This thing of choosing to live regardless. And then also drawing from the scripture about whoever feels that they don't have a sin like this woman, then will you be the first one to cast the stone? Mm-hmm. So again, I'm having a conversation with the church about how they treat queer people. Mm-hmm. I also thought about how we sometimes hold on to internalized homophobia, that we work, we have to do work at undoing so late because we didn't have a linear vertical growth like heterosexual white men, you know, heterosexual black men. Ours is not clean and clear, like, oh no, I am born for power and I'm destined for everything good. I was actually going to ask you about that because there are specific moments where you hold the rocks and then you kind of like extend your arms. But for a really long time, you're holding and it has this image almost as if like an offering. Mm. That's kind of the, the, the vision that I had. And you did that a couple of times. Mm. It was an offering. It was also like a social experiment for me to see like, if somebody would actually, because diabulaleka and people can see that this thing is heavy on me, diabulaleka, but no one took that on. No one took that on, and then we are shocked when our our friends decide to take their lives because we are not as partisani as netisani. Compassion has like left the room. 
also the juxtaposition of what you do afterwards, right? So you sitting buried in these rocks for a very long time, which are like heavy and are hurting your body. And then once they're off, <laughs> you like perform one of the most beautiful, <laughs> you know, routines. And there is kind of a tension there. Tell us about that part where you start dancing. It's a refusal of dying. Um, and again, that image of that flower or the seed that goes, 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 but one thing, it will pop and look gorgeous. Because why, why am I here? Why am I here? I think I, and there is no self-importance, honestly. I really don't know if I'm just like, you know, to take myself too seriously. But I really think about the people that walked before me. My ancestors, direct ancestors, my indirect ancestors. From the, from the racial walk to the gender and sex walk. People have walked for me to run. So why would I not run? What a disservice to self and my history if I don't come out first or come out alive, let alone first. But I have to come out alive. I have to. There's, I'm here, so what must happen? I'm not gonna go halfway. I'm already here. Fuck everything else, but I owe it to myself. What am I gonna say? When I have to give in, Lilo, when I meet my ancestors again, what am I gonna tell them that I was doing here? Going through music, I'm going through music. I literally like stumbled upon Chasela, the song, and it also I just like the, the uh, of it. Like even the name Chasela, and I'm, what am I doing here? I'm whacking and voguing, whacking the shame away, whacking and voguing the. Yeah, all, all the heaviness of, of, of hating self and, 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 and not coming into self. Also, I wanted to see, I, I was adamant on seeing, I don't know if you also saw, so if I did Umlando at some point uh, with, yeah, I'm adamant of on, of, yeah, <laughs> on, on contextualizing um, um, Vogue and Wack, uh, yeah, like bringing it home here. Because there's something about movement that is liberating. Mbacha finishes their routine with a kind of fierce warrior pose. Arms stretched out 180 degrees with one leg lifted up and bent at the knee. They turn around and open the door to the theater. Uh. 
The lighting in the theater is muted with a red hue illuminating the stage. Mbacha's father is sitting at the center of the stage in a kind of makeshift enclosure made with wood and walled with cling wrap. Behind this enclosure is a large screen on which a film will later be projected. Mbacha's mother sits in the auditorium, a few rows from where audiences are ushered to sit. We are in Silapindli. Mom is in the kitchen. We are, I'm probably helping mom in the kitchen, or maybe without young Zanzi, and when we were washing. Like, it was meant to be a casual conversation that would happen in the house while everybody is doing their own thing, you know, or chores or whatever. I also needed my dad to, to cut, to shave my head. So he had to be on stage. But also for my dad, for my dad and I to be in that box, for us to actually be forced to have, to be like to be physically in this enclosure where we can have this conversation, it was a way to corner him. Also, um, not that I'm not able to talk to him at home about stuff, but yeah, not as a cis hit black, middle-aged man who grew up in a certain time, we quit cornering him and his friends and his cohort of cishet men. Cornering him and holding him accountable for the ways he may have treated other queer people before I was born. I needed him to, to be honest about his thoughts he didn't have to apologize or like, I don't want him to apologize for anything. I didn't want him to be like, oh no, I just needed him to physically be on a platform and talk about his thoughts. Mm -hmm. And also not to have my mom physically there because it's not her chat. Like she's not the problem. My dad was a representation also of the problem that we're sitting with in society. The mask, cishet problem. So, she just needed to be lit and do what she does, which is like, you know, not cuddle, not direct, but oversee. She's that matriarch in the house, in the family. Tell me about Abakweta. That's what you chose to wear the first time we see you in this, in the, in the box with your father. From childhood, the, the hair shaving process for me was very, very traumatic. My dad still cuts my hair in the most painful ways ever. Um, also, my scalp, I had really bad scalp. So every time I cut my hair, it was just a, a gooey situation happening, like disgusting. Then fast forward 
I moved places around the South and I lived at one place for 18 months. And I obviously then had to change barbers. This barber was literally a dream. That man touches my head like it's the only thing on this earth. Because also of the nature of the haircut, I do like a clean guy. So he needs to touch to see if there's still hair, touch against my, my, how my hair grows to see if there's still hair. So he's, but he does it so beautifully, he caresses my, so I've had, you know, I, I wanted to make a, I wanted to comment on, on that specific like thing. I've had a, a, a long history with how my head is touched and shaved. And I had a revelation in these 18 months. So yeah, just this tension with getting my hair shaven. Smoke fills the cling-wrapped box and Mbacha emerges from the stage pit to join their father in the enclosure. Mbacha is wearing a duke and a long dress made entirely out of the traditional Kosa blanket used by initiates known as Abakweta. Mbacha's father makes way for them to sit on the chair. And then also, that, going back to your question about Abakweta and Usuglolalukwa, I think that's what you're alluding to now. That thing was supposed to be done by my father. But my dad worked at exams um, at the Department of Education. And November, December, we never saw him. Because he is working around the clock. So I just, my dad didn't get to do that for me when I went 2011, December, when I went to um, the, 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 the mountain, so to speak. Um, when I, or rather undergone the, or underwent the, the, the ritual of right? So he wasn't there. When that happened, he wasn't there when I got circumcised, or was it? No, he wasn't, because people, my uncles told him how I reacted, because everyone was scared, I'm going to scream. And, you know, nobody had faith. They were just like, oh my gosh, we're gonna, like, the softest is coming. <laughs> so, so we just have, let's brace ourselves. So it was a big thing that I, I didn't cry, nobody even noticed that, like, I didn't, you know, it was... So he was he got told how things went. So he wants to I was like, actually, you need now And that's what I love about my the work I do. I get to live or re and sometimes relive my dreams and the things I wanted to do or how I want things to be. I get to do that with performance. And also because I'm a cheeky ass bitch. I have every right to tell that story because it's my story and I'll tell it the way I want to tell it. I'll wear, I, that, that is a blanket. I turned that blanket into a dress because I feel I have a right to tell it the way and to ruffle those feathers, the, that, those, that, 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 that horrible system that is Elasigo. I think it is a big contributor to the men, the Kosa men we have today that are entitled, that feel that they, they, they shouldn't know to, 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 to take care of themselves, to wash themselves, to clothe themselves. And I think 
it has been misinterpreted by the the mourner. So that again, I am all of it. And I will tell all of it the way I want to because I experienced it and nobody else. And nobody's going to tell me how to tell. Nobody's going to tell me that blanket is sacred. I can't use it. I, it's my blanket. I use that blanket. And if I want to cut it up and make it whatever I want to do, I will do that. It's this thing of asserting self because the world doesn't want us to do that. No, just before we get muscle by cow sugar pickup. Oh, okay. Conduct by Albertinia. The particular stories that your parents told, <laughs> did you guys have a conversation about that before? So the zip lining and the horse riding. <laughs> How did that play it out? <laughs> that that part, my dad, like, you know what, every day, I think his memory would be fresher and fresher with every run we did with the, with the, with, with the work. So that specifically, that part of, because we, as I said, every December we'll travel. Um, my parents would pack the Mazda 6 to 6, a red one, pack it full. My mom would make sure that I have space um, at the back and toys and shit. But then when we stop at Tsitsikama, stop Kwezindao, we never would just, we'd never just pass Tsitsikama. We would stop at Tsitsikama, have breakfast, you know, like good old stuff. So the, these, we had framework, like, we had, like almost like three points that we had to definitely get through. And then what happened in between was really up to date. Because phone are your parents naturally just like that funny? That was so hilarious. hilarious. My dad is the most, like, there's no time asking unless he's upset. No, but, like, that's how they, no, Ati, umama, okay, um, would say, uh, when there's too much silence, then I could write, like, that bickering is part of the love. I'm just like, okay, whatever, we park that. They really funny, my parents. They are honestly funny. Why is it you So there's a moment when your dad puts something on your body. Can you tell us about that? And then he gives you one of the last things he says to you is, do not be scared. Again, he couldn't be there that morning. The morning of when you one is ready to leave the mountain, <laughs> you we put on this white clay the whole like four months with it, right? The the point is that you must never look like a person a person who's at home. But now what that white stuff does, that clay dries your your natural oils out. So you need to replenish them 
with something. So then they get butter. They buy butter, butter, like actual butter. And then they smear it on your body. Maybe like 20 men around you take a, a turn. How homoerotic. They all take turns. Um, or like maybe it's a couple just... But while they're doing that, they're telling you how you should be. What kind of man you should be. Yeah, my dad. That, it was so special. I got a little bit teary when you reminded me of that moment. Because actually, he had never done it the way he did it the last night you saw the thing, the night you saw it. It was such an affirming moment when my dad, because you also wasn't there. So all these random men were doing it to me. And then now my dad was doing it. It was just so different and like so affirming and almost like fly, Mwanaka. Like just fly high. You're safe. I'm watching you. I'm, I'm paving the way. So the sound of hair clippers mm-hmm. then becomes something that you use as a motif mm-hmm. that carries through. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. So that was supposed that that was supposed to be a sonic way to show my irritation with the haircut. But then also I made it kind of I made it into a score. Yeah. It was a 20-minute-long score. I was in rehearsal at the little theater alone. Love working alone, because I can just, like, do, right? Um, Had the clipper against the stage, or, like, on the stage, rather. And then I put it on, and then it just went on the thingy, and then I just started playing. Because I also just love, also that this work has allowed me to play a lot. A lot of the stuff that came out was through play, through play. There were moments where we could see you falling because of the butter and the plastic. And then either you would stay there and turn that into a different kind of movement whilst you're still on the floor, which I thought was so beautiful, or you would use it to kind of get up into another movement, you know, and it just kind of went on. Tell me a little bit about that part of the performance. That That is literally just literally how I move. And I think a lot of people, obviously, like they, like I think we, we're coming to a place where we, that's what we want to do. We want to go on. Um, a, a very famous uh, a phrase in my high school was, "We go on, Matrix. We go on." But like when with work, right? But we really repurpose that as people. We 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 go on. We go on, because we, we this sort of refusal again refusing to not go on, refusing to die before you're actually dead. I, it's a refusal. It's, it's literally a refusal of the falling and everything. It's, 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 
it's it's a doing of of life regardless regardless we go on we move we move <laughs> now we say we move yeah <laughs> Mbacha's movements are a combination of slow and graceful gestures interspersed with running and falling because of the butter smeared on their body and plastic surface on the floor. Their limbs and torso move with fluid precision, flowing and melding into one another. At the end, Mbacha slowly approaches the edge of the enclosure, rips the cling wrap apart, steps out of the container and walks off stage. As they walk away from the stage, the video begins with a silhouette of the artist dancing. Again, their movements are slow, measured. This is followed by scenes of the artist either dancing, moving, or completely still in various natural landscapes. The sea, the mountain. The score for the film was done by Danny Chengo. Again, juxtaposing the visual because it can, nature's naturally calming. And when I'm in, submerged in the cold ass water, there are moments where I'm calm and there are moments of good, beauty, stillness. The film just looked very beautiful. And we had to fuck it up one way or another because the why of it is from an irritation, a daily lived irritation of self, like of trying to be. You said it as a phrase. So how would you translate that phrase? I know translation is like yeah, really fraught and weird. <laughs> so maybe flower, iapuma, flowers emerge or do or can emerge from dry, arid, concrete, landfills, um, dump sites. Flowers do. Flowers do, actually. <laughs> I think that's actually the best. That might be the best. That might, in terms of function. <laughs> I think in terms of function. Flowers do. Flowers do, and they do, right? Don't they do? Like they come out anyway. Whether you sometimes like you don't water your plant. Sometimes you know you. you I'm. You, I mean, I. I'm a plant baby. Like I love. I'm a plant mama. Love my plants, but I go away a lot. So yeah, um, I know that plants do because sometimes I'm very bad with my plants, but they will. They will thrive. They will live. They do. They do. Yeah. Itemba, Liteta. 
as a way to conclude as a way to finish off let's talk about the the narration the movement of the body and then the elements that you're interacting with so the sand and the water and what all of that means i i worked with Ulindwe Zamini on her project in Jabulo um, anti-bullying project um i think from 2016 17 um and then so so there i did um arts and culture workshops um, so they the project believed in arts and culture being a way to a way to also interpret these big terms because we would have one workshop where we do um maybe homophobia and maybe transphobia and then these are like high school kids then we do the, the following um friday we do an art and culture way to understand that content we learned one of the students one of the warriors you call them warriors recited a poem about injajambo yaphuma engqondogeni i still need to i still need to just thank them for planting that seed in my mind because since then i've never let go of that it's the way they talk about ishiqiza izimisele phakathi kwengqondogha itsitsitheka kunzimubo inqanelo ufazana kwanombethe it talks so eloquently about the journey of a flower that has to grow in unfavorable conditions the the thing that the bruises i was talking about that that poem really encapsulates that whole experience of 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 growing or living and and being in a place that is not for you or was not meant for you the 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 elements i was interacting with are again a way for were again a way for me to remember that i am part of this thing that was created in jajambo purposefully i am not an anomaly i am not not supposed to be here i'm not the first one like i said so it was another it was again for me for my own body for me to remember that i am part of this bigger scheme of things that are created and that are here that are yabo also like a, a thing of searching um for for ubumna again or and coming back to being a part of creation i am part of it i'm not i'm not new and i'm not wrong podcast is a production of the Institute for Creative Arts at the University of Cape Town. 
It is hosted by me, Nkhopeleng Muloi, and produced and edited by Catherine Brewer. Music in this episode includes Turning to You by Blue Dot Sessions. Additional sounds and music are from Tandilian Bacha's 2022 ICA Live Arts Festival performance of I Am.